This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com. Welcome to another roundup of Neville Rides Boundaries coming to you from Access Radio Taranaki, Coast Access Radio, Radio Hawks Bay, Arrow Radio Masterton, and I'm Neville Wallace broadcasting from Hara. Well, it's been a rough summer, certainly not one for holidaying, and Sir Elton John hasn't had a very good reception to Auckland with all the rain. But we're back with another rural series of what's happening out on the farm. Today I have Mike Claus from the Taranaki Vintage Machinery Club with news of their forthcoming display. Doug Avery, the resilient farmer, is along to talk about the sudden resignation of Jacinda Ardern from the role of Prime Minister. Barbara Kuriger has been relaxing over the parliamentary break and is having fun exploring her new portfolio of conservation. And Philip Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz is along with news of what weather we can expect in the coming week, perhaps year. Well, first up is Taranaki Vintage Machinery Club member Mike Coyles, and Mike is going to tell us more about their display on the 4th and 5th of March. Today I have Mike Coyles from Taranaki Vintage Machinery Club, who's going to enlighten us about their forthcoming fossil fuel extravaganza, which is going to be held at 172 Turatura Road Har on March the 4th and 5th. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Neville. How are you? Well, we're looking forward to an exciting new year, but uh, I was just looking through my photos the other day and I just see that the uh, last one of these that we had, or you had, was about 2013, so that's 10 years ago. Did you have one in between or not? Yes, I've had a few in between, but unfortunately, as most folks would know, COVID um, yeah. was a car So this one's going to be one with a little bit of difference, but I take it it'll be mainly agricultural, home-based? Uh, yes, vintage, you know, it's run by, of course, by the Taranaki Vintage Machinery Club, and so it's got the vintage of the old theme, and as you say, mainly it is around the, the farming era and, and uh, how we've done things in the day, and but of course, not to leave the ladies and kiddies out, we've got, um, you know, the ye old kitchen, the wood stove, some of the stuff because what bothers me a bit that the younger generation and I'll throw in napkins one here because nobody washes napkins anymore and the other thing is when you boil clothes in a copper the uh, modern 
synthetic stuff wouldn't stand that treatment nowadays, would it? No, no. Quite right. We don't use the, the bleaches and the stain removers that, that, uh, in the old days that we do today, but, but having said that, uh, I must admit the ladies can get their washing nice and clean today. It was always clean before too, though, and like you say, dirty nappies was not a subject anybody wants to talk about or think about, but um, yeah, every baby had you know quite a few nappies and, and they were yeah. all cleaned and washed and came back sparkling with the old method, of course, and it is, you know, it is yeah. the old... Would have over the copper. remembered the days when you did a little bit for your mother because I remember mine going through a tub and then it, or it came from the copper into the tub and uh, sort of cooled down a little bit before you put it on a scrubbing board and uh, put it through the mangle, which was turned by hand, <laughs> into some, into blue water. I don't know what the hell was it, what it was. Uh, uh, blue was a, a type of a bleach. It was a little square unit. And just while we're speaking about the Blue O, all of this and listeners, it was uh, quite interesting because it could be used for other things. Ingredients in it, I'm not sure about. But those that know what a, a, um, a piece of Blue O was, it was roughly about an inch square and it was in a cotton, a cotton bag, if you like, a little square bag. But if you were rearing cars, for example, on the farm, and the cars developed the scows, you drop one of them little Blue O washing pellets into it, and it would clean the scours up, not a problem. On the other hand, if you've got a bee sting, or a wasp sting, as we used to, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. it would cure that as well, stop the stinging, take it all away. So they were designed for the washing, but they were magic little things for other uses also. That was how people used uh, their thinking in those days too, Mike. My word, yep, and it worked, and that's the thing, you know, it works. And it was cheap. They were, oh, I can't remember what they were, but I think for about a shilling you could get half a dozen of them, you know, <laughs> three or four of them anyway. But they'd come in a box. You'd buy a box full of them, yeah. yeah. No, that's a, another aspect of life that's come and gone. It certainly has. Now, you've thrown me a tad now, Mike, but I take it that you're going to do a little bit of haymaking there the old-fashioned way, or...? How far yes. back are you going to go? Is it going to be stacked or is it going to be the old little square bales? Uh, it'll probably be the little spare, uh, square bales, mainly because we find it very hard to get horses now that can yeah. work the, uh, you know, the lift, the lift it up onto the stack. We can pull a, the stack up uh, using the tractor and that, but it's not as authentic as a horse. But we're still in negotiations with that. We're still trying to find some horses that are uh, trained for the work. So, yeah, it'll just be a little surprise on the day. It'll be one way or the other anyway. Well, it has to be because the chap, he was his name, Mugridge, that used to fraternise those days? It was, yep. Put on a dental uh, display. Oh, he was a cracker, yep. Uh, he's left the area now. I don't know where he's gone, but um, he hasn't moved. He's like he hasn't died or anything like that, but no. he's just moved on to another area. Yeah. But uh, the horsemen, yeah, they, they used to be a dime a dozen, but unfortunately uh, now... So, yeah, like blacksmiths and everybody else have all moved on. Now, you had a day in town there, I remember coming into the uh, indoor arena and there was a bit of uh, metal, metal work going on there and a forge. You're going to have that sort of display there as well? We will, Neville. Yes, it's quite entertaining for the people. Um, there's uh, three engineers, well, engineers, blacksmiths, of course, we call them in these days, and we still do. 
uh, they'll have forges here and yeah, they make little um, pokers and irons and things to put marshmallows on the fire, etc. And if the people want to watch them make it, that's good. And if they want to buy it, well, that's, that's good too. <laughs> you don't only a few bob, but yeah. But uh, you can buy a poker or, yeah, buy anything that the, the uh, craftsmen make. And of course, you know, they're not just square and straight. They've got fancy curls in them and like you, like you remember from the old yeah. years, you know. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with what you can see at the Vintage Display Day. Now here is a resilient farmer from down Blenheimway, Doug Avery, with his thoughts on Jacinda Ardern abruptly leaving Parliament. My guest this morning is Doug Avery, farmer and author of book Resilient Farmer, and today we're going to be discussing the week that was. Good morning, Doug. Hi, good morning, Neville. How are you? Well, it's a cracker of a day here. It's overcast, but who knows what the weather's going to do. Hey, when was the last time we had a political week like the one we've had just recently? Um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a, a big week, but probably not really that far expectation. Um, the the uh, the role the role of prime minister these days seems to be a role which in my view, is over-focused on, and, uh, and and the burnout on Jacinda Ardern would have been uh, huge, but uh, a lot of that uh, was self-manifested, and, um, and uh, that's pretty tough, but that's just the sort of person that she is. Yeah, do you think she decided to jump, or whatever you would call it, walk the plank, because... Seems too carefully orchestrated to me that they didn't have a blimmin' argument about who was going to take the places. I think, I think, um, in regard to that, uh, Chris Hipkins has been the fix-up man. He's he's had to step into other failed portfolios, uh, and uh, he's probably been in the five years I've been in there uh, their best performer. So. In the lack, with a lack of uh, potential candidates, he was the obvious person, and I, I think you have to be um, totally blind uh, in politics not to see that. So they don't really have a choice. He's, he's had to fix up everything else, <laughs> and uh, he's probably going to do his best to fix up this. The problem with that I think that just that will be reflected with Jacinda Ardern is she was seeing so many things that she wanted to do, and some of those things are very, very good. Uh, and then she got thrown in with that other things. And at the end of the day, they didn't have the competence to really get on and finish anything. So while there was a lot of talk, there was very little delivery. And eventually that starts to catch up on you. This country uh, now is in a very deep Deep uh, crisis, and it will get worse before it gets better. Yeah, Luxon sort of opened his mouth the other yesterday at Ratna, but uh, was it a certain component of a caucus that pushed her as well? It's a, it's a, whoever, whoever, whether it's Chris Hipkins or whether the snap election, the government changes, uh, the settings of New Zealand and the settings of the world are going to make the next period of time uh, far, far less enjoyable and far more difficult for people to negotiate their way through life uh, than, than I've probably ever seen in my life or them. 
Uh, but we have no choice but to face it. And as you know, Neville, I'm a, um, a resilient farmer. Yeah. And so resilient people don't lay down. They stand their ground and they get up and they push on and do their best. And I have another plan up their sleeve just for the uh, average punter. Oh, that's kind of interesting. That's a good comment. This, this, if plan A doesn't work, there's 26 letters in the alphabet. Yes. Dave, when it comes to change and looking at the ordinary punter voter out there, what are the uh, issues that need to be changed to uh, for them to win the next election? Uh, I think that when Ardern, uh, or if anyone helps you review her time as Prime Minister, the thing that she'll row the most, and it's one of the most important things for every human being, is she's lost the trust of the people. So as I spoke before, I said how she tried to do so many things. They promised and promised, they over-promised and under-delivered. And she would have been much better to have under-promised and over-delivered. And, and, and in amongst that, you know, like whoever was in government was going to find COVID hard to deal with. And if you look at me, I've never really criticised the I've criticised aspects of, of the later response, but the early response was as good as we could have had. Uh, the mosque shootings, she, no one could have done better than she did with that. Uh, but then when you get into all the things that actually she's done fabulously well on the world stage, but actually where she needed to be doing is working with the people who she serves. And I'd give her about two out of ten for that, um, albeit that that mark is down low from those other challenges. So she's lost the trust of people because she kept saying, we're going to do this, and it didn't happen. And now to uh, to do... The simplest thing in business is almost impossible because so many bits of the of the machine is broken. Um, I've I've just done a, a I applied for a passenger license endorsement for my license two months ago, so I could help a guy who's got a business. He hasn't got enough drivers, like everybody hasn't got enough people. Oh, yeah. And it took two months. It took two months, Neville, to come through. Yeah. Now, what effect has this had on New Zealand farming, this Labor government so far? Uh, once again, a loss of, loss of, loss of trust. And so, so uh, if you're investing into the, in business and the, for the future, uh, once you lose trust, well, then you go into, well, we, well, we won't do that. So, for me, her worst day for agriculture was the stage-managed day in Featherston when she announced the government response to here at Wakanoa. Uh, it was it was shonky, at very least. Uh, it was insincere. She said, oh, we're giving the farmers everything that they wanted, except for two things. We're not going to reward their carbon sequestration, and we're going to decide the price. And, of course, those two things are unacceptable. They're not little things. They're massive. Yeah. Uh, hidden in under that was we're going to basically, this will mean that 20% of farmers hit the wall. Well, with the current settings and the current prices and the inflation running at 15% on farm, sheep and beef farmers across New Zealand, I would say you're looking at 40% of them that won't be viable in six or seven months' time. Yeah, now just to finish off with Doug, uh, they're looking at the cost of living or the rising cost of inflation today. What do you put that down at? 
station at the moment, which is what I know the most about, is running around 15%. And I would put half of that down to global things, petrol price rises and all that sort of thing. And then the other 15% I would put down to uh, government, this government-induced uh, failure to understand the mechanics and the unintended consequences of some of their policies. So it's been a it's been a, a pretty horrible five years in my view, uh, which has ended up for her uh, challenging. But then she's promoted New Zealand beautifully on the international stage. She's seen as a rock star. Uh, places in the world know about New Zealand that didn't. And if we're smart, we will gather. Uh, if we ever can get the again, we will gather uh, some energy out of out of out of some of the work that she's done. So it's not all bad. Well, thank you for your time, resilient farmer Doug Avery. This is going to be a year like no other. Go well, my friend. You take care too, and to all the listeners, have an awesome 2023. At the end of the day, it will be what you make it. That's for sure. Thanks, Doug. Today, Barbara Currier talks about knitting wool. Queen Charlotte sounds nature wool. Well, good morning, Barbara Currier. How are you after a long session of no work. Good morning, uh, Neville. It has been a, a period of I haven't been here to all about five weeks, I think, where I was just uh, completely um, out, turned the phone off. Um, it's the only time of the year that we can really do it, and so I prefer to take uh, four or five weeks off at that time because it's very difficult when Parliament starts to... There's always something going on, so we had a wonderful time at Christmas. We spent some time with... I actually knitted myself three wool cardigans for the winter, uh, albeit they were on big needles uh, with, um, you know, very thin fly wool, uh, but with quite a fit. Only took a couple of weeks from the car backwards and forwards, three-hour drives to, you know, Lewis having to pick up grandchildren and stuff. You quite a lot of knitting done with um, with wool, uh, with thick wool, and um, it is a pleasure to actually wear wool cardigans around, so that was great. Uh, we um, also uh, did the Queen Charlotte track, and it was absolutely fantastic. We did do one of the days in the rain. Uh, and the thought of it is actually getting your coat on and stuff, knowing you're going to get wet, is, um, you know, you hear a few people going, oh, I don't want to go on. But once you're actually walking in the rain, it's actually quite nice. And the one advantage of the week we did it, because the weather was um, quite a bit cooler uh, and the rest of the days were fine. But I did a record 170,000 steps that week. <laughs> uh, I did 43,000 steps one day, and I have to say... Uh, I need to do a bit more practice on, uh, on some up and down, some different sort of terrains, because it does give a bit of hammering to the yeah, enough practice. So um, we bought some walking poles when we got back, and old um, gave me the conservation portfolio, clothes, uh, ocean centuries, and, uh, and the great walks, and I couldn't believe it because they're all laid out on the you know, we need to learn more and do some more walking uh, some of these tracks and it'll be great because I'll be able to go and do a bit of exploring uh, and uh, find out a lot more about what's going on in conservation. We had a great time on the Queen Charlotte track. You know, we 
to a motor in Auckland just before we leaned, before we motored into Ship's Cove. Uh, and that's an island, and we were lifted up these little boxes and seeing these little uh, penguins in their nest and stuff. So really, really interesting. It's, um, and also conservation. It's, um, there's some interesting dynamics with conservation because sometimes you think you're doing the right thing. Nature sort of has a way of... Um, taking over in its own way. So there's a particular area of they've made a lovely little wetland around a lake uh, and they've um, made it predator-free. Uh, it's the only disadvantage of that is there are thousands of and starlings that fly in there uh, every night uh, when the starts to close in because they know it's a nice, safe haven. Uh, and absolutely... Um, uh, meeting the are pretty putrid, so now, so now they've had to bring some rats in to control those. So you know, it's um, nature's a bit of a cycle, and sometimes you can plan things and try things that don't quite work, and you've got to modify and adjust as we go along because nature's always going to win. And on that topic, uh, nature's certainly winning at the moment uh, over parts of the country, uh, particularly. And then I'm thinking about all of those people in Auckland who've uh, had to evacuate their homes. Um, it's pretty uh, pretty wet and pretty dire up there. Um, we were recently in Napier at our two-day caucus and the Aucklanders were looking at the Southlanders asking where the suntan came from because they hadn't seen any sunshine <laughs> since Parliament finished at the end of the year. Um, and, uh, and same with Coromandel MP, exactly the same. Uh, but interestingly, Southlanders and uh, on the West Coast, um, most of them hadn't seen any rain since Parliament finished, so it was all rain at one end of the country and, and uh, none at the other. Southland's been in a bit of a drought, so, um, you know, the weather's not spreading it out, spreading itself out very well. And all your listeners do and look forward to catching up next time. Oh, well done, thank you, Barbara. And to tell us a little more about the weather we can expect over the next few days, Philip Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz. Well, good morning, Philip Duncan, and the compliments of season to you. What sort of a new year did you have? Oh, good morning, Neville. Good to be back again. Um, very quiet new year, which was very nice. I didn't do much, and summer has been a bit cloudy up in Auckland, so I haven't really done a lot either. I've just sort of small things in the garden and the odd job around the house, doing things up, fixing a few things. So, yeah, it's been very good. I'd sort of thought when we departed last time that you said you were going to take it easy, but with, uh, well, was it cyclone hail that invaded us? I heard quite a bit from Philip Duncan on radio. Yes, uh, yeah, the holiday got cut short, and um, I, uh, it was funny because for a couple of days I'd been saying to my business partner, Sean, I think we might have to do a video on this storm, but I don't want to do it if it's not going to hit because I, it ruins my holiday. It makes a hike for something that doesn't happen. I want to leave it. And then it's just every update made it look worse and worse, and we were starting to get comments from people going, why on earth are you not doing a video for this? And so we thought, oh, well, we'll come and do it. And it was our most watched video that we've ever made, so it was well worth uh, coming in and doing it. Now, what sort of attendance or watched figures do you get for your YouTube presentations, Philip? 
normally we get around about somewhere between about 12 and 25,000 views for a video. Um, but that one for Cyclone Hail got us over 60,000 views. So that's quite a lot, actually, for a very small business that doesn't have, you know, that we used to have the media behind us. And so when I was at the Herald, you know, the New Zealand Herald, their numbers were much bigger than that. Oh. But but it was all through them. You know, I never, I didn't, I didn't control it. I didn't get to see any of those numbers. I didn't get to see any of the comments. Whereas now it's on YouTube. It's we control all of it. And it's a lot more empowering to actually see your hard work paying off. And so really appreciate all the people. If there's anyone listening in Taranaki or wherever, uh, who are, who are watching them apart from you, Neville, um, it's appreciated. And it's appreciated by you too. Uh, because yeah, every view sort of, helps us sort of grow our brand, which we appreciate. And uh, how do we grow our brains? Because we've been talking about a lot of things this morning, Philip, prior to uh, chatting now, of people don't really understand the weather. No, a lot of people don't understand the weather, and, and I've learned that more and more, um, that, you know, there's, and there's probably always been a group of New Zealanders who grow up at school and don't learn about it. Um, the school I was at, or the schools I went to, I had really good, uh, passionate geography teachers, and so we learned all about it. And I grew up in a part of the world, you know, where we got, I grew up in Bay of Plenty, so we were hit by Cyclone Bola, we were hit by the Edgecombe earthquake, we watched White Island erupt. Um, you know, we, I, I experienced Mother Nature, um, and so I found it really interesting to learn more about it, whereas not everybody had that experience, and so maybe not quite on the radar to learn about it, but we, it's one of my jobs in my videos, is I want people to understand why the weather is doing what it's doing, because, not, not because everybody needs to understand how everything works, I mean, I get on a plane and don't necessarily know why the plane does what it does, but, but if you understand the basics of it, you're not as scared when you fly, and so if you understand the basics of the weather forecast, then it won't be as incorrect, you'll find it more accurate. Exactly, and if I just to sort of finish off with uh, keeping in the same vein, what sort of weather should we be looking for here in Taranaki? Because South Westland is as dry as, and yet we're having a good season so far. I'll keep my fingers crossed. Yeah, it's um, it's at the moment what we're seeing is that rain is definitely coming down into Taranaki soon. Um, this this low pressure system, or that we've that we've had around really for for the last um, several days, bringing in windy nor'easters and rain for the Auckland anniversary weekend. Well, that that system's falling apart uh, basically now, and so the next day or two that'll drive in some rain along the western side of the country. Most of the rain coming up for New Zealand is in the northern half of the North Island, uh, the western half of the North Island. So that's kind of, you know, Taranaki to Hawke's Bay northwards, uh, that area, or, no, actually, no, Taranaki to East Cape, more of an angle, actually. It's not quite Hawke's Bay as much this time around. Um, so that's, that's where a lot of the rain will be. And the South Island, much drier than average. Um, the West Coast and parts of Canterbury and Southland, they've all been a little bit worried that droughts are forming. I'm not as worried. They've had a, co they've had a cold front the last week. Another one coming up again soon. Um, it is drier than average, though, for the South Island, generally speaking, and the North Island, again, generally speaking, is leaning wetter than average. It's sort of split in half. Oh, well done. Thank you for your time there today, Philip. My pleasure. Good to be back again with you. Well, that's me done and dusted for the next few days, but right on your calendar, the 4th and 5th of March for the Taranagie Vintage Machinery Display, and I'll see you back again next week, so take care out there. Thank you.
This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.